0: Hello. <laughs> I was told never to touch any buttons. Here, or at home, or at work. So, I have a button paranoia, I'm sorry about that. Well, good morning, um, my name is Jeff Diddle. Um, what, what's your name? Well, good morning, Carrie Jeanette. Blah, blah, blah. Good to see you here this morning. Uh, it's amazing how names have changed, uh, do you remember? of course we don't remember, but people just went by their first name, like Mary, Joseph, Elvis, Jesus. But now it's Jeffrey William Diddle at Cumberland Avenue, password, uh, GF Diddle at Gmail with a password of 02970, comma, exclamation point, special character. And then of course you forget your password and you'd have to reset. So speaking of resetting, Let's reset here and leave all that behind uh, this morning and reset our hearts and souls and ears to the message we're about to hear, if you would be so kind to do that. Thank you so much for joining us this morning. Um, If you're looking for a church family, we'd love to have you become part of our family. We do exist, our mission statement is we exist to give creative and meaningful worship to our Lord, our Father, and to give and to discover and develop uh, disciples for Christ, as well as to Love the Lord, our Father, and our brothers and sisters fervently. I think I had to look fervently up. I believe it means with a whole lot of love. So give each other a whole lot of love today, if you would, please. That's why we're here. Um, with that, we have a video. Could we please have the video, please? Oh, okay, I was told this later. Hold the video. <laughs> All right, got to fill a minute here now where the video is supposed to come in. Okay, it's later. I'm sorry. Okay, uh, announce- we'll go right to announcements. Uh, so next Saturday, 8 o'clock, is men's breakfast. Guys, please sign up at the Welcome Center. Um, and following that is our, uh, our churchyard cleanup activity. So we'll have breakfast. The guys will have breakfast. The girls will be outside working. And then the guys will just uh, continue having breakfast. And then from what I hear, the girls are going to come and do dishes. Is that right, Gary? Yeah. Yeah. And that, uh, uh, no, that's not going to happen. No way. So, and then after that, uh, the church family will do cleanup around the yard. So bring your gloves. Uh, There's a list of items to please bring if you'd like to participate in that and make our grounds uh, as beautiful as they are. And also, the, that's next Saturday. Please sign up for that. But Sunday, the next day, we're having a 5 o'clock church informational meeting, and there's food with that as well, so please sign up for that. And that'll cover a variety of topics, uh, such as the um, transition team where they're at, uh, the church lobby, we're working on a project there, as well as just general other information and points of uh, interest. So 5 o'clock. 8 o'clock Saturday, 5 o'clock Sunday. Okay, I got through those. Now, uh, is Scott here for the deacon? Here he is. Okay.
1: Good morning. Good morning. So one of the elders here, and um, we are in the process of bringing forth names for our deacons. So we met with the deacon candidates that we're going to bring forward, um, and then you guys will be voting on them here coming up on the 30th. So we have um, Phil Hoopman, Mr. Mike Lutz, and James Chamberlain. Is there those gentlemen here? If you are, just stand up real quick so they can put a face with them. Mike's in the back. James is over here. All right. And um, we do have another name, but we're going to hold that name because more than likely we're trusting that the Lord's going to move him in a different direction of leadership. So if you... Be mindful of trying to reach out to these guys when you see them. You ask questions of them, and then we will vote again on the 30th. So thank you.
0: Thanks, Scott. Okay. Uh, we'll go right to our scripture reading for the day, and I've been given the privilege to do that. So um, if you'd like to stand, uh, you're certainly welcome to do this. Uh, this is from Second Peter Chapter 3, verses 8 through 13. But do not overlook this one fact, beloved, that with the Lord one day is as a thousand years, and a thousand years as one day. The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise, as some count slowness, but is patient toward you, not wishing that any should perish but that all should reach repentance. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief, and then the heavens will pass away, with and the heavenly bodies will be burned up and dissolved, and the earth and works are done, be exposed. Since all these things are thus to be dissolved, what sort of people ought you to be in lives of holiness, and godliness, waiting for and hastening the coming of the day of God, because of which the heavens will be set on fire and dissolved, and the heavenly bodies melt as they burn. But according to his promise, we are waiting for new heavens and new earth in which righteousness dwells. Thank you. Thank you. You may be seated. So please join me in prayer and as we transition. So Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for this just wonderful day that you've blessed us with. To, and we pray that uh, the message, uh, as it's uh, brought forward and explained in depth and uh, looked over, that it just touches our hearts and our lives. And uh, we thank you so much, Lord, that you are a father of promises, that what you say is true and absolute. So what we've just read will absolutely come true and we take great great comfort in knowing lord that you are a god who does keep his promises for righteousness and all that is good and we pray that uh, we just um, bring our hearts bring our minds bring our souls and ears to hear what we're about to hear and let it touch our lives father and we pray this in your name amen
2: Well, we get up early and get the kids all up and going, breakfast, clothes, eat, get your stuff, and get out the door, uh, which is not that fast. And then um, he's off to work, and either I, well, I come back home to work, and then punch out many days to go back to school to pick somebody up for an appointment, to then take them back to school and come back home, to finish work, then pick them back up from school at around like five o'clock, home, eat, outside maybe, homework, baths, story time, and back to bed, and all over again. They dropped them off at a family vacation to us in the <laughs> Um So they were four months, 18 months, and two years old. Uh, we were drowning. We were literally drowning at that point. We didn't have any time to leave really outside of taking care of them. And I happened to run into one of the um, founders and. and Literally pled to him. Is there any way we can get into your community? We get one meal a week greatly helped our family to be able to continue our busy schedules of counseling appointments, um, just our daily work lives that we have, and other volunteer things that we do. It has also given us somebody else to talk to, as well as meeting other foster and adoptive families. We have a call once a week goes out to our team about things that have happened through the week and any needs that we have okay. would encourage other members of the church to see how they could support a foster and adoptive family by um, just the Prayers or the few extra minutes it might take to make um, a second meal of something you're already making. It is on. Hi, I'm Carrie Kingston and this is Kathy Esperson, and we are co advocates for the ministry that you just heard a little bit about Um, on Sunday, May 7th at noon in the Rock Room. And the lower level of the church, we're going to be having an awareness event. So um, there will be a light lunch that is served for those of you who would like to attend. And we would really encourage you to come out and hear about what this ministry does. As you can see, it makes a huge difference in the lives of foster families and adoptive families. And um, May is National Foster Care Awareness Month. So in the season of that, please come and join us.
3: Pretty neat video, isn't it? kind of like gives you an insight to a little bit of how crazy a day can be. (laughs) Um, Thank you, Stoic family, for sharing that with us. We appreciate that a lot. At our awareness event, we're going to be breaking down what a care community is, what it looks like, and what it does. There's different areas that you can get involved in in a care community. Some of them uh, may take a little more time. Some of them may take very little time at all. But it's an opportunity to not only invest in Care uh, a foster family, but really get to know that family, and get to see what their life looks like, and the challenges that they face, and the um, things they have to overcome as a family, and how they grow, um, and how the kids change. and And it's really fun and exciting to be a part of it. So come join us. Carrie and I are going to be back at the Welcome Center after um, the service, and we'd love to talk with you if you have any questions. And if you'd like to come to the event, we'll get you signed up, and we'll see you there, and we'll, we'll share lots of stuff. So thank you.
4: Okay, we all want to know how many points were on that buck.
2: <laughs>
4: you had those camera angles just right. No, that's a, a great ministry. I'm going to do things a little bit differently this morning. Um, Children that are going to children's church this morning, just come on right up by me and we're going to have a little prayer with you before you head out. I think it's, uh, I'm trying to remember who's leading this morning and James is, James is. Okay, just stand right up here by me and we're just going to have a word of prayer before you go to children's church this morning. Yeah, just gather around. And then we know what to do when we pray, do we close our eyes and we bow our heads and and we're going to talk to God. So, Heavenly Father, thank you for this morning. Thank you for all the children of our church. And thank you for Children's Church and, and the people that help with that and minister. But we pray as the children go down to Children's Church, they'll hear about Jesus. We pray this in your precious name. Amen. Amen. So, head right back there. There's Mr. Chamberlain. There's Mr. Chamberlain.
2: <laughs>
4: yeah. It was uh, it was just two weeks ago that I made the announcement on Easter Sunday about Bruce and, or about Bruce uh, going into the hospital. And so if you didn't hear um, yesterday morning Bruce went to be with the Lord. So um, so our prayers are with Wilma this morning and the family. Um, so that'll be a part of our prayer time this morning. Uh, we want to pray for the ministry that we just heard about. We want to pray for the foster family ministry. We want to pray for the Reese's this morning um, as our missionaries um, and, and they're, where they're serving. And, of course, we'll pray for um, our offering also. Um, so I'm going to do something this morning that might, might really stretch some of you. But... Um, on our website, Bruce is on our website. And I want you to hear what he said. It's only about a minute long, minute, minute 30 long. I want you, and I might be hard once you see him, but I want you to focus in on what he says. Because I think he says something very powerful for us as a church. Okay. And so after that video is done, then I'll lead us in prayer. So, If that is ready to go and the volume's up and everything.
3: I'd like to reaffirm what Wilma said, why WCC has been a strong church, and it's because of prayer. That means it isn't what people do, but what God does through people. So we are just saying that we seek God's will in all we do. Some practical ways I experienced this is when I was on elder or deacon boards there, and as we were discussing some business issues of the church— Sometimes we seemed to hit a brick wall. So we would stop and pray, and soon the answer became so clear to all of us. That happened more times than I can remember. God has all the answers, and it's his church, so give him the platform to run it. Happy 30th anniversary, WCC.
4: Some powerful words, aren't they? So let's pray. So let's pray. Heavenly Father. We um, Our hearts are heavy this morning, but we are thankful that your children have a home. And it's a heavenly home, it's an eternal home with you, and so we are so thankful that Bruce is in your presence. We thank you, Lord, also for the comfort that you give during these times of grief, and we do pray that an extra portion of that comfort to fall upon Wilma and her family, Lord, as they walk through these days. Thank you for these words from, from Bruce that, that keep us centered on prayer and keep us centered on this is your church and following after you, Lord. We thank you that out of prayer came this foster family um, ministry. And, and Lord, may we continue to bathe it in prayer as people, as people become foster families and as people ha- serve foster families, Lord. That, uh, that this ministry will have a great impact, especially in the lives of the children, Lord, that are being taken into these homes. And we pray always for our missionaries, Lord. We thank you for them. and pray for the Reese's this morning and and, and the progr- proclamation of the gospel that goes out from them. Lord, give them safety, give them strength, give them endurance, Lord, for what they are doing. And Lord, this morning, we are always thankful to take time to give our tithes and offerings to you, to recognize every week that what we have is because of you. You have provided it all. And so, Lord, may these resources be used in a mighty way to reach others with the gospel. And so we ask your blessing on this offering this morning in the precious name. Amen. 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 You may be seated. That is a great lead-in to this passage of Scripture this morning. Um, if you have a bulletin this morning, you'll see that the, uh, the passage of Scripture is uh, right in the bulletin. There's a typo, so I'll help you with the typo this morning. Uh, it's my fault. Uh, and there's also notes in there if you want to follow along. Um, if you stay afterwards for the going deeper, the 11 o'clock hour from 11 to 11.45, there are smaller groups that meet throughout the church. And we talk about the passage a little bit deeper um, and so there's two classes here in the sanctuary, there's one in the parents room, and there's two downstairs, so you feel free to jump in on one of those this morning. But we are in uh, 2 Peter chapter 3, am I here this morning? There we go, 2 Peter chapter 3, verses uh, 8 through 13, and I want to, we've, we've had the reading of the word this morning, I want to do a little bit of review But I've titled this, God is Faithful to His Word. If there's anything that I've understood from studying through 1 and 2 Peter, is Peter elevates God's Word, and, and, and God is faithful to His Word. So a bit of review from last week. First off, Peter said there'd be scoffers. Scoffers will come in the last days. And these scoffers overlook God's activity since creation. They basically come out and say, where is he? Where is he? We haven't seen him yet. You say he's coming. He's not here yet. They do that. But then they also made this claim that everything's still the same since creation. Nothing nothing has changed. The second one is, is that Paul respo- Peter responds by saying, well, wait a minute. God created the earth by his word. And he brings out the water and how by the water was separated and, and, and divided And everything, and the earth came to be, and that was all done by the word of God. Then he goes to his favorite illustration in the Old Testament, and that's the flood. And he said, by the same word, God destroyed the earth with a flood. He took the waters that he had directed by his word, and now by his word, he directed those waters to destroy the earth, and the reason he destroyed the earth was to judge wickedness to judge wickedness. So right there at the very start, he's, he's going at them and saying, wait a minute, you are claim like he's done nothing since creation? And he goes, well, what about the flood? God's word says, now he ties them to the future, and he says God's word says he will destroy the earth again. But he won't do it by flood, he will do it by fire. And why will he destroy the earth as it is now? By fire, the same reason to judge wickedness. And what Peter is doing, he's elevating God's word and he's saying, I'm standing on what God has said. This is what he said in the past. This is what has happened. This is what he says will happen in the future. And I'm standing on God's word. I love this illustration he uses of the ark because the ark was to save people physically, physically from God's judgment. And that ark was provided by God. God told Noah, Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. God told Noah, build this ark, build this ark. And Noah, we know, was a herald of righteousness. And so he's heralding righteousness while he's building this ark. And this ark was also directed by God. So God provided and directed this ark that if anyone was upon the ark, they would be saved. They would physically be saved from God's judgment of the flood. But then we jump ahead. But there's a better ark. And the better ark is Jesus. And Jesus is also God provided. God provided Jesus. John 3:16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. He provided this better ark named Jesus. He also directed this better ark. I'm going to jump back to 1 Peter. 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 20, that seems like eons ago when we read this the very first time. It says, he, meaning Jesus, was foreknown before the foundation of the world, but was made manifest in these last times for the sake of you. So God provided and God directed this better art, Jesus, to save people, not physically, but spiritually, spiritually from God's coming judgment. So that's where we ended last week, was now he's going to turn the corner. He's talked about the scoffers. Now he's going to turn the corner and talk to the beloved. So here we go. I put the scriptures up there, and you'll see uh, my error here pretty soon. But do not overlook this one fact. Now, he had told the scoffers they overlooked a fact in verse 4, or in verse 5, But now he's talking to the beloved and saying, don't overlook this one fact. He says beloved. That's the second time he says that word. He'll say it five times. Beloved, it means dear ones. It means those worthy of love. And if you play that out, who is he talking to? He's talking to the Christians of the first century, the Christians in Asia Minor. He's talking to the people of God. He's talking to the church. So he says, church, beloved. People of God, do not overlook this one fact that with the Lord one day is as a, it should have an as in there, sorry about that, as a thousand years, or some versions will say like a thousand years, and a thousand years as one day or like one day. And so he's saying this in response to verse four when the scoffers are saying, where is he? Where is he? We haven't seen him yet. You guys keep saying he's coming. He's not here yet. Peter's responding by saying, that the Lord one day is like a thousand years and a thousand years like one day. Now, it's a phrase. It's a literal phrase, but it's a phrase that we don't take literally mathematically. It's a phrase that is said to make a point, and that point is, is that God's clock is different than our clock. God's time is different than our time. It's different than our time. He takes this from Psalm 90 you'll see something very similar in Psalm 90 and verse 4 where the psalmist says, for a thousand years in your sight are like a day that just, has just gone by. So he's using the same terminology there, but the psalmist even goes farther because he says, or like a watch in the night. He, he goes from 24 hours down to how many hours in a watch in the night? Three, three hours. So what seems like a thousand years to us is like just like a day to God. So he's just trying to make the point that God's clock and God's timing is different, different than ours. So that made me, yeah, took me down a rabbit trail of that. We have some phrases that we say to time to time are like this. We say the phrase, but it means something different. So, boy, he's got a chip on his shoulder. Yeah, uh. Dorito, or potato chip, or computer chip, or what kind of chip? And boy, he did pretty well to keep it balanced on his shoulder. Boy, those are a dime a dozen. Now, do you remember when eggs were a dime a dozen? Yeah, 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 a dime a dozen, okay? Oh, that's a piece of cake. Well, what kind of cake? (laughs) I mean, if we're talking about cake, carrot cake, German chocolate. Yeah, see, it means something else, right? That'll cost you an arm and a leg. Ooh, okay, we're back to square one. When you're looking for a square with a one in it, you know, kind of thing. Stop beating around the bush. <laughs> Don't beat my bushes. I hate to burst your bubble. All I can see is somebody, you know, a kid with this big, you know, bubble gum bubble, you know, and somebody pops it, it hits their face. Yeah. Let me give you a couple. can cat got your tongue? Yeah, that's a weird image. Can you think of a cat got your tongue like that? Yeah. Stop crying over spilled milk. Yeah, you know all of these. Cut to the chase. Let's call it a day. Well, what day? Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday? See, See where I'm just getting to the point here that here's a phrase that means something else to stop jumping to conclusions. Yeah pastor Adam, every once in a while, he preaches and he knocks it out of the park. I like baseball. I like baseball, but need to learn the ropes. Here's another one. Wow, he's really long in the tooth. Yeah, music to my ears. Anyways, just the the point that we have phrases that help us realize there's a point behind the phrase, and that's what we have here, is a point that Peter is trying to say God's clock is different is different than our clock. So he goes into verse 9, the Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise. He'll say that phrase twice in this passage, fulfill his promise as some count slowness. So he's answering it there. Because God's clock is different than our clock, but is patient toward you, not wishing that any should perish but all should reach repentance. So why he's answering the question here, why is there a wait? Why is there a wait at that time of about 30 years? Why is there a wait at our time of about 2,000 years? Why is there a wait? Because God is patient. That's the reason why. God is patient. If we go back to our study in 1 Peter again, he mentioned this in 1 Peter about God when he was speaking again about Noah in 1 Peter 3, verse 20, because he went and proclaimed, uh, no, because he, they formally did not obey When God's patience, that's what's brought up, God's patience waited in the days of Noah while the ark was being prepared in which a few, that is eight persons, were brought safely through the ark. So just as God was patient in the days of Noah, the reason he has not returned yet is because he's being patient with you. Um, Not wishing that any should perish. Now, but we know that there will be some that will perish, right? We know there will be some that will perish because there's the wide road that leads to destruction, the narrow gate that leads to eternal life. Um, And then the next one, but all should reach repentance. But we know, but wait a minute, not all people will reach repentance. Not all. So so it, it puts a question in your mind because we know that. How do you explain that? How do you explain that? Well, I want to do something here. This is is why the Evangelical Free Church is the way it is. This verse is one of the verses where you can look at this differently. You can have two different eyes looking at this verse specifically and come up with two different things. And so I'm going to tease it out this morning. That word wishing, not wishing that any should perish. One definition of wishing is this affection or desire, not desiring. Any should perish. So you could look at that and say, well, there's, there could be a difference between God's desired will and his declared will or decreed will. And that's one way you could look at this passage of Scripture. And I put down those two illustrations there the garden. When Jesus is in the garden, what does he say? If this cup can be taken from me. Okay, that's desired will. That's desired will. But then we find him where? On a cross. And the cross is declared will, decreed will, because he told them ahead of time what's going to happen. I'm going to be handed over to the Jews and to the Gentiles, and I'm going to be hung on a tree, and I'm going to die be crucified. I'm going to be buried in the grave. I'm going to rise on the third day. I'm going to ascend into heaven, and I'm going to come again. So you can see the difference between desired will and declared will. So that's one way of looking at that passage of Scripture. I want to give you another way of looking at that passage of Scripture. And and the reason I'm doing this is because these two views can be side by side in one sanctuary worshiping with one another, okay? So another definition of willing or wishing is it's your will that is deliberate. It's your will that is, it comes from you and it's with purpose and it's with, It's mindful. I have this desire. It's purposely and mindfully crafted and will be fulfilled. So if we go back to this verse again, Lord, not slow to fulfill his promise, as comes some count slowness, but is patient toward you. And you stop there and you say, who's the you? Who's the you? Well, if you go back to verse eight, it says, but do not overlook this one fact, beloved. So who's he talking to? He's talking to the children of God. He's talking to the church. And so he's patient with you, church. He's patient with the flock of God. He's patient with the flock, not wishing that any should perish. Then you say, well, who's the any? Well, if you hold on to that, well, the any is the you who is the beloved. Not that anyone in the family of God, not that anyone of the flock of God would perish. Not any of them would perish. Then, but that all, And then you stop and say, well, who's the all? Well, if you tile the all to the any to the you to the beloved, then you realize that, wait a minute, see, all doesn't always mean all. Like all of the world. But I'm talking to all of you in this room, right? But this all is not the same as all of the world kind of thing. But I'm talking to all of you. So here, you could look at this and say, but all, all of the church, all of the family of God, all of the flock of God of all time should not reach repentance. So you could look at that verse that way, that that God had a desire within his heart, a purposeful, mindful desire that the children of God, all the flock of God of all time would not perish, but would reach repentance. Um, Just a, a verse that kind of shows that or is in support of that kind of view would be John. I didn't put it up there, I'm sorry. John chapter 10, uh, starting in verse 27. Jesus is speaking in this verse. He says, my sheep listen to my voice and I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. No one can snatch them out of my hand. My father who has given them to me is greater than all. No one can snatch them out of my Father's hand. I and the Father are one. Are one. So there's a verse in the Bible that, like, wait a minute, some people could look at it one way and some people could look at it the other way. But the main thing is the main point. And the main point is that God is patient. That's why we're still waiting. Because God is patient. And no matter where you fall on that spectrum of, of those two different ideas that I just gave you of ways of looking at that scripture, it doesn't matter always, our message is Jesus. It doesn't matter where you fall on that spectrum, our message is Jesus. And our method is always discipleship. It is always living in community, practicing the one another's, and growing in Christ-likeness. And our motivation is always, got to always be love. It always has to be this this love that we have for God and we have for others. And the thing is, is where did you get the love from? You got it from God because he first loved you. He first loved you. So he's waiting. Verse 10. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief and then the heavens will pass away with a roar and the heavenly bodies will be burned up and dissolved. And the earth and the works that are done in it will be exposed, or there will be judgment. Now, where is Peter getting this from? He's getting these from Jesus. Matthew chapter 24, Jesus brings up this picture of a thief. And in Matthew chapter 24, when Jesus is talking about the end of times, in verse 42, he says, Therefore, keep watch, because you do not know on what day your Lord will come. But understand this, if the owner of the house had known at what time of night the thief, there's the thief, was coming, he would have kept watch and would not have let this, his house be broken into. So you also be ready, because the Son of Man will come at an hour when you do not expect him, like a thief. And we always try to pull Paul and Peter together, and so let's flip over to 1 Thessalonians, if you've got your Bible I have a hard time reading verse chapter five without reading all of these verses. First Thessalonians chapter five, listen to how Paul, he's pulling from Jesus. Now, brothers, about the times and the dates, we do not need to write to you, for you know very well that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. Thief in the night. While people are saying peace and safety, I'll pause right there. Yeah, they're scoffers. They're saying, eh, and it's, oh, it's always been the same. It's going to be the same. Nah, I don't think he's ever coming. Peace and safety. Destruction will come on them suddenly as labor pains on a pregnant woman, and they will not escape. But you, brothers, are not in the darkness, so that this day should surprise you like a thief. You are all sons of the light and sons of the day. We do not belong. Everybody say belong. belong. We do not belong. To the, to the night or the darkness. So then, let us be like, not be like others who are asleep. They're spiritually dead. Don't be like that. But let us be alert and self-controlled for those who sleep, sleep at night, those who get drunk, get drunk at night. There's another phrase that means something. But since we belong to the day, there it is again. Say belong. belong. We belong to the day. Let us be self-controlled putting on faith and love as a breastplate and the hope of salvation as a helmet. There's the armor of God in condensed form. For God did not appoint us to suffer wrath. Well, what did he do then? But to receive salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. He died for us so that whether we are awake, so physically awake, physically alive, or asleep, and that word asleep there means that you have physically died. You physically died. It doesn't matter if you're a Christian and you're awake or if you're a Christian and you physically died. We may live together with him. We will be with him. Therefore, encourage one another and build each other up just as in fact you are doing. It's interesting. He goes back. He's kind of going back to verse seven. He wants them to know that Jesus is coming again. And he, he like Details it out a little bit here that he is coming again. Peter's very simple. I like Peter. He's very simple. There's no charts. When you're talking about eschatology and end times, Peter doesn't give you any charts. All he says is he came and guess what? He's coming again. That's it. Two points. That's all he gives you. Two points. He came and he's coming again. He's coming again. He did this before I put up that passage, 1 Peter 4, 10 and 11, when he was talking about the spiritual gifts. If you remember that, Paul has these lists of spiritual gifts. What's Peter got? He's got two. He says, if you speak, speak. And if you serve, serve. That's it. And he lumps them all together like that. So very simply, he wants us to remind us again that Jesus is coming again. He's coming again. Verse 11, since all these things have thus been dissolved, what's he doing? He's elevating God's word there again because all these things have been dissolved. What sort of people ought you to be in lives of holiness and godliness? Now this takes us back to a couple mandates in our study of 1 Peter because he's assuming if you're a follower of God, if you're a part of the flock of God, that you are living lives of holiness and godliness. You are already doing that. The the first mandate I put up there was we are to be holy as our God is holy, holy. Yeah, we we live holy lives because we follow a holy God. The second one is godliness. And that second one in 2.12 is all about let your conduct be honorable among the Gentiles or among those who are not yet believers. Let them see your good conduct, even when the unbelievers... Uh, revile against you even if they if they attack you what are you to continue to do to do good works let that be seen so he's saying here what sort of people ought you to be in lives of holiness and godliness those are already assumed those are assumed you're doing it which leads into verse 12 waiting for and hastening for the coming of the day of god because in which the heavens are set on fire and dissolved, and heavenly bodies will melt as they burn. He can't get away from that. He's like, I gotta. He, did you know he's coming back again? <laughs> did you know he's coming back? Every verse he does that. What are we to be doing as people who are holy and godly? We are to be waiting for and hastening. That's what we're to be doing. The, word, the phrase waiting for means to look for. It means to expect. And some words have a, a core at them. And this one has the core of advantage, meaning that what I'm waiting for, what I'm looking for, what I'm expecting is to my advantage. There's an advantage to it. If there's something to an advantage to me, am I going to sit back in my lazy boy? No, I'm going to be on the edge of my seat, aren't I? I'm going to be on the edge of my seat. I'm looking. I mean, so it's a waiting, but it's a waiting experience you know, with expectancy of what is coming because I know it's an advantage to me. And therefore, I'm on the edge of my seat about this. And the hastening, the hastening, it means it's kind of the same lines, but desire earnestly. But at the root of that word is this idea of feet, at the feet. And anytime I say at the feet, I go back to Mary and Martha. And Martha's in the kitchen. And where's Mary? At the feet feet of jesus she's at the feet of jesus she's expecting she's drinking in every single word that he says mary i need you in the kitchen (laughs) i'm staying right here i'm staying right here that's kind of that hastening that we would be expecting so much that we would keep ourselves at the feet of jesus just drinking in every single word that he says So here's Peter saying to the people of God, saying to the people of God, this is how we are to be. As we live our lives of holiness and godliness, that's assumed. But we are to be this kind of a people waiting for and hastening the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Um, Verse 13, but according to his promise, okay, that's the second time he said that. But according to his promise, what is he doing again? He's elevating God's word because God said it. Okay, according to his promise, we are waiting for a new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. Remember when I talked about the, the chapter number one was the good, it was all about salvation. Chapter number two was the bad, all about false teachers. Now, here's where chapter number three starts to show us the great. The great is we are waiting for a new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. I want you to take away this one point is probably the most important thing. God is patient with fulfilling his promise. Two Ps there. God is patient with fulfilling his promise. And there's a new heavens and a new earth that's going to come. And what's going to dwell in that place? Righteousness. The word for dwells there means comes down and settles in. And how different is this than today? What kind of world that we live in today? We live in a world where what dwells? wickedness dwells, wickedness dwells. But he is saying there's de- coming a day when there will be a new heavens and a new earth where righteousness dwells, righteousness dwells. So two questions to end with here. Am I living in light of Christ's return? Am I, as a child of God, living a holy and godly life, am I living in my life in light of his return? And the next one that goes with it, what would need to change? What would need to change? Because it would really change everything in your life. It would change your conversations. It would change how you work. It would change how you parent your children. It would change how you, how you, what you do with your finances. It would change everything in your life if you were living your life in light that Jesus is coming again. And he has a wonderful place for his children. A new happens in a new earth where righteousness, where that is, the pre, you know, it's hard to find righteousness today. We are, there's so much wickedness in the world. Every once in a while, it pops its head out and you go, whoa, oh! you know, it's like, whoa oh! and you share it with everybody on YouTube and Facebook and everything. Did you see this? You know, kind of thing. But a new happens in a new earth where that is everywhere, a righteousness. That's the great news. That's the great news that we have. So may we be challenged. as we live our lives of holiness and godliness, may we be challenged to live our lives in light of his return. Expecting this, that is so advantageous to us that we are sitting at the feet of Jesus, drinking in every word that he has to say. Every word that he has to say. Aaron, do you want to come up and... uh... We're going to close in song, and, I, and I'll pray. I'm going to pray right now for the closing of the service. And once the song's done, you're, you are dismissed, okay? So would you stand with me as we close in prayer and sing this final song? So Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the scriptures that we were able to read this morning. Thank you for the great of Second Peter. Thank you, Lord, that Peter is unwrapping it now so that we see that what's so great is that you have provided a home for your children. Um, a new heavens and a new earth. And Lord, um, may we look at our lives and there may be things that we, we haven't been living in light of your return. There are plenty of things that we need to do now. We need to raise children. We need to uh, work at our jobs. We need to, we need to uh, be in school. We need to, all these things are happening all these times right now. But Lord, even in the midst of all that, I'm living in light that you are coming again. So Lord, change my conversation, uh, change my attitude, change my um, m- m- the way I look at things, so that I see heaven more, that I see this new heavens, new earth more. We ask this in Your precious and holy name. Amen.